Church, we're going to be singing a song that has a line in it that says, I've searched and i found no one like Jesus. I don't know about you, but in my life, in the world, and I think in all of our generation, every country and nation, we are looking for something much bigger than ourselves because we have problems and issues and trials and fears that go so much above and beyond ourselves right now. The problem is that we as humans have this funky uh, little quirk where we like to lay out all of our options before us and everything that is not God gets looked at with rose-colored glasses and everything that is God kind of has this very negative connotation. We can look at things like, oh, this person that I was with or this thing that I used or whatever, this method that I tried, these things, they couldn't have been that bad. They weren't really that bad. I remember all the good that I came out of them or I really liked that back then. I don't know why I stopped using that. Whereas with God, we can really look at him and go, well, he didn't answer that prayer or this situation didn't turn out the way that I wanted or he didn't come for me through this, come through for me this time. The trouble is that neither of those things in and of themselves are truth. They are poisoned by our own bias. I don't know if y'all saw a lot of the statistics about people who went back to their exes during the pandemic. Boy, does anybody who did that know it was a very, very bad idea that there was a reason that we left those things behind in past seasons. It's because those things didn't belong in this season because they weren't God. They weren't the things that he wanted for us. They were broken and the things that we needed out of them could come from them. But when we go back to God, we find every time that those things, instead of him failing us, there's very often more times us failing him. And that there were things that maybe our expectations weren't right. Instead of wanting him not doing something we wanted, maybe we were wanting the wrong things. Maybe instead of him doing something different from what we thought was going to happen, he was doing something better and we just shortchanged it. But when we go back to God, when we actually search and find God, we find the answer that we were actually looking for in all of those other people and all those other things and items and methods that we could so easily replace them with. My dad was telling me a stat this morning that we have like 64 gigabytes of information we absorb on a daily. And we got to the moon in like 32 like kilobytes or something, which is insanity to me. Think of, oh, sorry, I didn't know that was a fact in your sermon. It's fine, you'll hear more about that later. But like, think of how much information we absorb for things that like all of that all of those options are laid before us on the daily. It would be so easy to choose them, but it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be holy. It wouldn't be fulfilling. It wouldn't actually be what we're looking for. Don't waste your time, church, searching for answers that aren't him. Because they won't do anything for him, they won't do anything for you, and they certainly won't do anything for a world that really needs an actual answer. So today as we're worshiping, I want us all to put aside those ill-colored glasses that we can wear with God and look back on the times that he has been faithful, that he has proven himself true to his word, that he is a man that does not lie, and that he is a man that has brought the goodness of our God in the land of the living. So let's pray together before we start worship today. God, this prayer is not one of request, God, but of proclamation, a declaration of who you are to us, God. God, you have been good to us when we have been bad to you, God. God, you have been faithful to us when we have tried every other God and idol besides you, Jesus. God, you have been loving to us, God, when our hearts have grown cold, God. God, you have been protective of us, Jesus, when we have slandered your name, God. God, you have chosen us, God, when we chose each and everything else that caught our eye, God. You are a God that has moved mountains for people who wouldn't even bother leaving the valley for you, God. 
God, you are a rescuer of people who continually put themselves in positions that they need rescuing. God, we thank you for being a God that would choose us, that would love us, that would continue to prove himself good and noble and holy and trustworthy and loving and compassionate, understanding, a counselor, God, a provider, a healer, God. Even when we look to other things for those answers, Jesus. Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, you are our answer. May we not forget you today or in the days ahead, no matter what may come our way. It is in your holy and almighty name that we pray. Amen. All right, church. Let's worship to that truth together this morning.
I pray that that may speak into your heart today. Let it speak right now in the name of Jesus. The joy of the Lord is my strength. These momentary afflictions shall not prevail. There is a glory. There is a glory. There is a glory after this. We didn't create it. We don't deserve it, but His grace gives it anyway. 
Daddy, we love you. Daddy, we praise you. We've come to this place to give you glory. We've come to this place to shout your name, to lift you high, to praise you above our circumstance, above our situation, above our, our moment in this world, God. We've come to praise you. The joy of the Lord. Let your joy rain down. Let your spirit come this morning in power and in strength. There is no one more powerful than you. Church, we've got to believe there's no one. There's not one name, not one disease, not one circumstance, not one situation stronger than the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Body, do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Jesus, Jesus. It's not about our goodness. It's not how, how good we are. It's about how good he is. Just in this moment of praise and prayer, I'm believing that the Spirit of God is here to do something more than have, enable us to have a good church service. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is among us because the Word says when we begin to worship Him, God inhabits the praise of His people. Where two come together in His name, Jesus is in the midst of them. And if Jesus is here, that means there's no name, there's nothing that will not bow its knee to Jesus. So right here, right now, I just want to pray over us. I'm going to invite you to pray with me in faith. If you're here and you're in need of something, a breakthrough, a, a healing, a, 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 a moment, a, a, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, a, a breakthrough in your relationship, something that needs to change in your addiction, some depression that has held you down and, and has been lying to you, that if you're in the bondage of the enemy, today, my friends, can I encourage you, I'm going to pray. We're going to believe God to do something mighty in this place because he is still the healer. He is still the deliverer. He is still the redeemer today. You didn't come to a building. You came to a place to meet with a person. His name is Jesus. And if he could heal the lame 2,000 years ago, he can heal us today. If he can make the blind see and the deaf hear, if he can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can do those things today in the midst of us. He is able. There's no one, no one, no one like our God. So if you're in need of a breakthrough, maybe today if you feel comfortable, can you just lift up your hands? Just We're just going to, God's going to see it. No one's looking around. We're just, we're just here saying, God, I need you. Daddy, I need you. We're, we're in the middle of a community that needs you. Father, you see the heart. You see the circumstance. You see the situation. You know, God. You know. You know there's healing that is needed. You know there's breakthrough from cancer that is needed, uh, from disease that is needed. Lord God, from things that haven't even been diagnosed yet that are needed. Lord God, and for provision that is needed, from healing, from emotional abuse that is needed, from healing, from sexual abuse that is needed. In the name of Jesus, freedom from addiction, freedom from sins hidden and exposed in the name of Jesus. Shame be gone in Jesus' name. You are Yahweh Yira. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. You are Yahweh Rapha. That's who you are. You are healing itself. So we break the bonds of the enemy. We bind our lives to you, Jesus, to the perfect work that was done at the cross and say, by your stripes, by your stripes, by your work, your love, your goodness, your holiness, your power, your authority, we stand in your healing today. And we're going to praise you. 
we're going to praise you. We're going to praise you because the healing came. And we're going to praise you while the healing is on its way. And we're going to praise you because you deserve it. We're going to praise you. We're going to praise you. We're going to praise you in the name of Jesus. Together we say amen and amen. Let's praise him because he's a good and holy and awesome God. Father, thank you for healings and deliverance. Thank you for your love and mercy, grace and goodness. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through, church, but I know the God who will go through it with you. I know the good news this morning isn't about how good we can be. Because ain't none of us good enough to deserve it. That's the good news of the gospel. The gospel is we don't have to be good enough because he is. We don't have to be holy enough because he already is. We don't have to be powerful enough because he reigns on high. I love that verse needs to get in our spirit. That every knee shall bow. Things visible and invisible. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. Things seen and unseen. Powers that we can name and powers we yet to know. Everything bows at the name of Jesus. Not at how good we are, not at our Christianity, not at our holiness, at the name of Jesus. And when we start to walk in that, there's nothing we won't praise Him for. Because whether the answer comes now on this side of the veil or the answer is on the other side of the veil, my God is not a man that He should lie. My God is the King of eternity. I'm going to believe with you it's going to happen on this side of the veil. Come on, I'm going to believe with you. Because the Bible says where two touches anything, where two come together and we touch it, the Father moves. So I'm going to believe with you for answers on this side of the veil. But I also know what we sang today is true. There's a day we will step through the veil. He'll wipe every tear from my face. The sickness that brought me to that place will be no more. The weight of sin that is born on my body from the day that I was born shall be delivered and set free. I shall walk in the freedom that he purchased forever and ever. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Church, can we, can we praise him on this side of the veil? Can we praise him before we get there? Look, we're going to praise him the whole time we're there. But now it's time to get some practice in praising him ahead of time. I'm so glad that you are here at church. I'm so glad that you're in church today. Thank you for coming and being a part of what God's doing this morning. Faith is not empty words. Faith is believing that God said it, he has the power to do it, and I just sit back and allow him to do it in his time. Take my hands off of it, but my faith is in it. Come on. My, fa- my hands may be off of it, but my feet are standing in it. I ain't going to be moved. Circumstance may come. Situation may come. My God is moving. We believe that for it. We believe that when God is moving. God is moving. Look at your neighbor. Say, God's moving. Come on. Speak some faith into one another. God's moving. Man, if this is your first or second time here at Connect, welcome. Thank you for coming out, being our guest today. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. We pray that you make this part of your community. Because we want to live life together with you. For us, church isn't about a Sunday morning event. It's about learning how to live life well together. It's what Christianity, it's what being a disciple of Jesus is. Can we give a shout out to everybody who's online today? We love you. Thank you so much.
for being online today. So good to have you. I know my baby girl's at home today. I love you, baby. Uh, look, uh, we're celebrating Pastor John and Liz's anniversary. They're, they're celebrating them. We love you guys. Happy anniversary. We also know, listen, I also know there are people watching today in hospital rooms. I want to speak that same word that we spoke here a moment ago to you. The doctor may have one report. God has a different one. Look, here's what we're going to do. There's going to be two sets of paper. There's going to be a doctor's report, and there's going to be God's word. And we're going to believe one of those two things. And I want to encourage you today, if you're in the hospital today, if you're homesick today, man, if you're struggling with something in this room or out, out, out there, there are two reports. Let's believe the report of the Lord. He is able. I'm going to praise him until the report says yes. Praise him until the report says yes. It's good to have you guys. We pray that you can get into church soon as well. I'm so glad you made it this morning. Hey, as we're being seated, can you just take a moment? Just seriously, just take a moment. Say hi to somebody next to you. Say hi to someone maybe you didn't come to church with. Give them a high five or an air high five or a fist pump, whatever you feel comfortable with. I'm going to get a drink because if you're, uh, if you're praising right, you don't need a Peloton. You know what I'm saying? Uh. Hey, before we hop into the Word, let me just encourage you um, in something. Next week, starting next week on the 25th, uh, we as a team want to invite you into something. We really believe in the power of when we get together and pray, when we get together and praise. That, that God shows up. And so we've made a way uh, for 15 minutes before service for this room to be open and for uh, worship to be going on. And we want to invite you maybe to set your alarms a few minutes early. Come on in. Let's fill this room with praise and prayer before we even start. The word of the Lord says bring, come on, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Like if you're bringing a friend and they can't come early, good, it's all right, no worries. This isn't a have to, but this is a get to. We get to worship together, even just a little extra. And for some of us who are like, man, I wish we had more worship, here's a great time. Come on in, let's just praise. You can walk around, you can sit, there's not going to be an agenda. The agenda is, let's get in front of the king's face. Let's just get, get in front of the king's face so that, so that when we actually start corporate worship, we're already there. We're already there. Hey, and I want to thank everybody just um, as well. I know there's a lot of construction going on out in the parking lots, and as you can see, things are getting done. It's going to be that way probably for the next two months or so, just as we continue to, to, to get this uh, worked out. Um, there's also going to be some construction building our Thy Kingdom Crumb uh, uh, kitchen here in our building over the next few months as well. So there's just a lot going on, but thank you for navigating that with us. We know right now there's no sign. Some of you are like, don't even know where this church is. You drove up. There's no sign. I know. It got destroyed when we were doing the, the, the drainage in the parking lot. And, and I know you have to find, they're driving through potholes out there. You won't. It's going to be beautiful. You know, look at it this way. It's like our life. God has given us a perfect vision of our life. Because on the outside, we got some potholes we got to deal with. We got some messed up stuff that needs to get fixed. 
But when we step in, this is, this is what our life should look like with King. It's a perfect example. So thank you for being patient with us. And be praying for all those things. We're, we're, we're seeing, you know, what's great about uh, TKC, which is our mobile food truck ministry, is uh, over the last couple months when we've been doing food distribution, some of the guys who've been doing the parking lot have been coming over to get food. So it's been really cool to watch and, to, and just to, to grow. They don't, they, they don't need it, but it's not about need. Because we're not giving away food, we're giving away Jesus. What a great way. Well, are you guys ready for the word this morning? I'm ready for the word. So if, since you have your Bible, can you open with me to the book of Mark? Mark chapter 6. Mark is the second book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. It's actually dictated by Peter. It's written down by Mark. And uh, I know last week we talked a little bit about Matthew being a disciple and how being a disciple he followed differently. Today we're going to talk about another disciple named Andrew and how maybe the way he followed Jesus can encourage us. Maybe over the next couple of weeks we're going to look at some of the disciples and see how we can learn to be a disciple from some of the ways they learned and struggled being a disciple. And so if you're looking for a title, a title of the message today, it's Stay on Mission. Stay on Mission. You know, in, in, our, in, in, in this crazy kind of overstimulated world today, it's easy to get distracted and not stay on mission, isn't it? Whatever that mission is, it's easy. You know, I know Jake was quoting this, but I came across a study from the University of California in San Diego that was done five years ago. So this is five years later. That said the average human brain in our country takes in about 34 gigabytes of information every day. 34 gigabytes of information every day. That's about, that's about 205,000 words or 23 words a second while you're awake. Then add on top of that TV and music and, and social media and advertisements and videos that we watch. Man, it, it overloads us 34 gigabytes of memory. Just kind of to put that in perspective a little bit, that would overwhelm the average laptop in just a week. To put it in more perspective, when we landed on the moon, the computer on board that landing shuttle only had 64 kilobytes. Kilobytes. So there's kilobytes, there's megabytes, and then there's gigabytes. So for those of us who are less techie, like I am not techie at all, I had to look this up. There are one million kilobytes in a, in a gigabyte. One million. That means... That means that our brain has to process 33,999,936 more bits of information every day than the Apollo 11 spacecraft had to navigate in landing on the moon. How many of us know it's a little easy to get distracted? We have so much being thrown at us. Talking about being distracted, uh, Danielle and I and Jake just got a dog. We just got a dog, a little puppy. This week, her name is Harlow, Harlow Fair. Um, she, is, she is Hollywood glam. Um, she's, she's adorable and cute and smart. Um, but she is easily distracted. Easily distracted. Like, like when she's in, she's full in. Until maybe there's like a leaf that blows by. Or there's a tassel on the carpet that's available. Or a toe walks by that she can nimble on. She is full in to whatever she's in until another opportunity comes up. And she's distracted. And she's distracted. And she's distracted. 
I don't know about you, but I feel that way so often. I feel this way in my life so often. As we live in this tyranny of the immediate, where the moment that the text chimes, or the email comes in, or the phone rings, we're off of whatever we're doing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. It's really hard to stay on mission, isn't it? I think the truth is in this environment that we're living in, it influences our spiritual lives as well. In this world that we're living in, it's really hard to stay on mission. To stay on the mission as being a disciple of Jesus, where we prioritize the kingdom, where we walk in holiness, where we're seeking first the kingdom of God at every turn. It's hard to love our neighbor, keep that in focus, especially when the church culture around us has made the mission about getting things done. Church has told us that the most important thing that we can do for God is get things done. Do it right. But when we live that way, a lot of times we end up actually missing the mission because the real mission is becoming more like Jesus. In our text today, we're going to see that it's, it's the feeding of the 5,000, right? Many of you may, may, may be familiar with this verse because there's more than 5,000. There's probably twenty to 25,000 people gathered. They've been listening to Jesus teach all day long, right? They've been listening to this, and, and by this point in time, they're hungry. So let me ask the question, was the mission feeding them? Or was this mission maybe something deeper than that? How can we stay on mission if we don't really know what the mission truly is? Because if I would ask us, the normal response to that would be, yes, of course, they were hungry. Our Christian duty is to make sure they had food. But is that really the mission? That's the question. In Mark chapter 6, maybe we can go through this and it can help us, but it says in verse 34, Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. My friends, you can underline that entirety of this. Because this is the core of what we're going to talk about today. So he began to teach them many things. But when the day was now far from spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the, the hour is late. Send them away, that they, may, uh, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered them and said, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. Matter of fact, John chapter 6, verse 8 says, the disciple, found, the disciple named Andrew found a boy who had five loaves and two fish and brought him to Jesus. Andrew was a connector. He had found Peter and brought him to Jesus. He was someone who connected people to Jesus. I wonder if that might be our mission, to help people be connected to Jesus. You know, I think the, the issue for us in this text, even if we're familiar with it, is probably how do we see ourselves in it? How do we find ourselves in this text? Because where we see ourselves in the story influences the way that we see Jesus and influences the way we see the mission of Jesus. 
So I believe the challenge for believers today, the challenge for you and I today, as we think about what God is calling us to be and who God is call, how God is calling us to follow, is I think the challenge for us is that believers tend to identify to those in need of the mission, but disciples live within the heartbeat of the mission. Believers tend to actually identify themselves as those in need of the mission. Now, the truth is, we, you and I live in a constant state of need on this side of the veil. We live in a constant state of need. And some of that need is natural, right? There are real needs, food and money, water, health. There are real needs that we're living in. Sometimes those needs are emotional, relational. We want to be seen and valued and loved and supported and all of us live in an abundant need of spiritual needs. Romans 3.23 says, right, for all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're, we're missing it. We have this force inside of us that constantly is leading us away from who God is himself. So our soul always looks to connect with Jesus from the place of us being the one in need. Us being the one in need. And the truth is that in the natural, we live in this constant connection to lack and loss. In the natural, right? We're always living in this constant connection to something that's lacking in our life or that we're losing in our life. And when those 34 uh, megabytes of information, the majority of them are telling us what we don't have, what we're not good enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not thin enough, we're not good enough. We need something else to make us more happy. So we're constantly connected to this thought process of us being the one in lack. It's why, if we're honest, we're so encouraged and we're so connected to verses like Philippians 4.19 that says, God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Right? Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, and when he is, I won't want anything. I'm good. I won't have any need. This is awesome. In 2 Corinthians 9.8, God is able to bless me abundantly so that I will have all things in every, all, all the time so that I will have no need. We're like, yes, come on, somebody. Yes, and amen. Those are good verses, and there's nothing wrong with those verses because that's who God is. But the problem is that we identify that these are the places that Jesus, uh, that, uh, these are the places Jesus meets us. So because I want Jesus to meet me, I constantly see myself as the one in need. So the issue is, this is how we start identifying our mission. We identify our mission that, as Christians, as disciples. Christianity is either about meeting my needs, which are legitimate, and God does care about those things. Or we identify our role as Christians as being the ones, being the, being the people who are part of meeting the need for those in need. You know, my job as a Christian is to make sure that I take care of those that are in need. However, the problem is that when we see our mission from this perspective, it allows our soul to sneak in. Because our soul loves a good attaboy. Attaboy! Not I gotta find a boy, or not how does Jesus love the boy. Our soul loves the attaboy. That's a good job. You did good. I'm so proud of you, attaboy. We love that thing. So if we identify as the one in need, the good news is the king sees us. 
The king sees us, he cares about it, he's moved by it, and he places us in community to have those needs, needs met. But the danger is, my friends, like in this text, we start to identify Christianity and our relationship with Jesus from this perspective. And it's easy to slip into selfishness and self-focusedness. self-focusedness. It's all about us. It's the place, after all, where Jesus meets us. Attaboy, Jesus, you did it. Attaboy, Jesus, you showed up. Attaboy, Jesus, you, 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 did, one, you, you did it for me. Good on you. Attaboy, Jesus, I must be worth it. We easily slip into selfishness. Or, for some of us, the mission becomes what we have to do in order to help those in need. And when we think that way, it begins to feed our sense of spiritual superiority. Man, I'm, after I'm doing what God wants me to do, this is what God wants me to do. I'm doing God's work. boy. Aren't I doing good? I'm doing God's work. But man, the soul is so sneaky. Because it always wants us to go back to works. Our soul is sneaky. It wants you to go back to works. Especially if you identify yourself as an achiever. Or maybe you were raised in a more religious kind of setting where it was can't, shouldn't, don't, touch, don't be a part. And it's all about what your soul is sneaky. It wants to go back to works. Like the rich young ruler in Luke 18 who strolls up to Jesus and says, what do I got to do to be saved? And Jesus says, you know what the word says. And he has the gumption to say to Jesus... I've done all that since I was a little, yeah, little lad. I'm good. I'm good. And he walks away sad because he didn't think he was in need of anything. He thought he had done all the works to get the attaboy from God. It's a trap. Because if we've done the works, then you and I will deserve the attaboy from God. And if we have the attaboys that we are entitled to, then we are entitled to all the things that those attaboys from God should bring to us in our mind. Because after all, this is the place where Jesus meets us. Attaboy, you did a good job. Here's a blessing. It's like when my dog goes out and she does potty outside instead of inside, I give her a treat. Good girl, Harlow Fair. Good job. You did the potty outside. Good job. Atta girl. And we're seeing God like that. If I can just do the right attaboy, he'll give me the treat that I'm looking for. It's why Peter, this, this is why, though, when we've identified the mission as what we're supposed to do, and we see those things in jeopardy in our culture. We are fighting so hard to make sure that we can still do those things in our culture. Like, hey, I have the right to do this. I'm going to fight to make sure I have the right to do this. You know what? They can't take the right away from you to do love somebody. They can take the right to pray in school. They can tell you you can't bring your Bible to work. They can tell you you can't witness at your lunchtime on, on, on company property. You know what they can't tell you not to do? They have no power to take away the church's ability to love somebody. 
So when we are fighting to make sure that the things that we should do, we can still do, we're fighting for the wrong things from the wrong place. It's why Peter is so worried about logistics. He's like, Jesus, we can't do all that you're asking. There's not enough of this and there's not enough of that because in his mind, the mission was doing the right things. But the final result of that kind of thinking is that we end up thinking we're on mission when we've already really missed what the mission is about. See, the mission is not, the mission is not, isn't where Jesus meets us. The mission is where we meet Jesus. How do we meet Jesus in our circumstance? How do we meet Jesus in our marketplace? How do we meet Jesus in this relationship? Not that what does Jesus want me to do right in this relationship. How do I honor and meet Jesus in the midst of it? That's what the story's about. Did you notice where the story starts? Because this is where it often gets overlooked in church. It starts with this. Jesus had compassion on them because he saw that they were sheep without a shepherd. My friends, here's the one thing I, need, I, I, I so want us to walk away with today. That there is a heartbeat Jesus is trying to have us catch as disciples. There's a heartbeat of Jesus behind the what to do. There's a why because the why reveals him. There's a heartbeat in everything that God is asking of us. There's a heartbeat that God is asking and inviting us to catch as his disciples. That's why disciples live within the heartbeat of the mission. This is the lesson of the feeding of the 5,000. It is found in listening to and learning the heartbeat of Jesus. That's, that's why the fact is that compassion is the mission. You want to know what our mission is? Compassion. I'm not sure. Compassion. But what should I do? Compassion. Yeah, but how do I? Compassion. But how about if they don't? Compassion. But how about if they're not? Compassion. How about if they identify like? Compassion. How about if they live this lifestyle? Compassion. The mission is compassion. It wasn't feeding. Feeding came because of compassion. The mission was not feeding. The, the, the mission was compassion that was lived out in feeding. But when we're looking to do the right things, we will flip-flop the missions. We will look at feeding rather than the, the reason why we feed, which is actually the brokenness of people. Compassion. It's not simply what Jesus is capable of doing for us. Come on, he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and Omega. There's nothing impossible for him. It's not even what we should do to get the attaboy from Jesus. It is in these situations, in these moments, have we met Jesus here? What is Jesus' heartbeat for this person? Not what is the task, not even what is the promise in this moment. What's the heartbeat of Jesus? Because if we can identify the heartbeat of Jesus, everything else follows. It's why I love Andrew here. Because while Peter's freaking out about logistics and loses the plot over how we're going to get things done with so many mouths to feed. By the way, can I just say that so many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, so many of us have missed miracles We've missed miracles in, 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 in our marketplace. We've missed miracles in our family. We've missed miracles in ministry because we were overwhelmed by the logistics of it all. 
We started with the logistics rather than with love. How am I going to fit this into my schedule? How am I going to get all those kids? How am I going to relate to youth? How am I going to take care? How am I going to house this? How? There's so many things, God. Start with love. How do I have a heartbeat for that generation? How do I have a heartbeat for a young person? How do I have a heartbeat for someone who's struggling with identity? How do I have a heartbeat for someone who's going through a divorce? How do I have a heartbeat for someone who just broke up with a long-term relationship? How do I have a heartbeat for them? Not how do I treat them right? How do I have a heartbeat for them? It's what Andrew did. Since Jesus loves them, how can I get them connected to Jesus? It's what Andrew did. He looked within his community and found someone who was already there and helped them get connected to the heartbeat of Jesus. Stay with me for a moment. Compassion sees this boy not for how he can fill a need, but how we can connect him to Jesus. Compassion sees somebody and doesn't see how they can meet the need. It sees how can I help them get connected to the heartbeat of the king. It's why so often in church we've missed it. Because we look for people with gifts to fill the need. And we get ahead of ourselves. Because we didn't connect them to the heartbeat of Jesus. And in the long run, come on somebody, we do more harm than we do good. Because we want people with gifts, come on, for the need. But when we are judging who to put in the place of the need, we have to make sure that they're connected to the heartbeat of the king so that they can live out the need. That's why talent takes us where our character can't sustain us. That's why we need to bring ourselves back to the heartbeat of the king because the heartbeat of the king challenges my character. The heartbeat of the king never challenges my gifts. The goodness of God gives me gifts. The, the heartbeat of God challenges the character I have in carrying out the gifts. So if I deal with the heartbeat of the king about my gift, and that's where I get connected. Hey, young buck, man, you got five loaves and two fish. Let me introduce you to the king. He didn't introduce him to a need. He introduced him to a king. Then he let the king deal with the boy. We want to deal with the boy and then trust the king to do the rest. He brought the boy to the king and trusted the king to do the rest. Did you notice Andrew doesn't say he was willing to try to convince the boy about the need. How he could meet the need with what he had. How he should feel guilty about having food when other people don't have food. He simply brings them to Jesus and connects him to the heartbeat of the king. How can you be compassionate, young boy, given the situation? Danielle, Pastor Dean and I were talking about this the other day because she's an introvert. And she said, you know, if the mission is to find people and match their gifts with the need and the need with the gifts, like if you're an introvert, that freaks you out. Because you're like, I don't even want to be, I don't even want to people that much. I don't even want to be around people that, that you're asking me, to, I don't, know, right? But if the, but if the mission is compassion, I can figure out how to be compassionate to somebody. If the mission is how do I connect this moment, this circumstance, this person to the heartbeat of Jesus, I can figure that out with Jesus' help. The truth is, my friend, this is why Jesus places us in community. He reveals his heartbeat in the midst 
of community. It's why church is not a place. Church is not an institution. Church is a community. It's why it's not a place that we visit. It's a place that we live together with. We have to see life differently. Why? Because this is the place Jesus teaches us about who he is. He often brings us all to places of need to reveal who he is in his heartbeat for people. Did you see in that text, in that setting, there were young people and old people. There were disciples and people who would never follow. There were people who could afford the bread because the boy had it, and people who couldn't afford the bread. And the beautiful thing about this is that Jesus reveals his heartbeat of compassion to all of them. That it was about loving all of them, whether you'll follow or not, whether you're in or not, whether you come to fours or shoulder to shoulder, men's or women's groups, whether you are fully in, whether you tithe, don't tithe, serve at kids, don't serve at kids, ready to do youth, not do youth, whatever, on the worship team, not on the, it doesn't matter, God, Jesus said, I've got compassion for all of you. And when you get on my heartbeat, you'll have compassion for the people sitting next to you. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter where they've come from. We've got to realize that almost all of Jesus' teaching to his disciples came in the midst of community. It's true there are a few women at the well moments where he took a woman aside by himself to create a safe space for a woman who was adverse to community, adverse to being looked at and hurt by people. He took her aside to show her that he loved her. Those are beautiful individual moments. But when we see who Jesus is, when he wants to reveal who he is and the power of his heartbeat, he does it in the midst of community. He turns water into wine at a wedding. Come on, right? He healed the, the issue of the woman of blood uh, in a crowd. He raised Lazarus from the dead in front of mourners. He healed the man with a withered hand in a full synagogue church service. He's preached the Sermon on the Mount where half of Galilee was standing there. The key is this, and I pray, church, that we get this. As disciples in this house, we grab a hold of this truth, that the power of comp in community, the power of compassion is compounded. Don't get me wrong. You can experience the love of Jesus in your individual life. But the power of compassion is compounded when it's lived out in community, through community, in the midst of people of compassion in the community who have compassion for one another in that community. Ecclesiastes 4 says two are better than one. Why? Because there's more return for their work. Proverbs 17, 17 says that there's a, 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 a friend that loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A friend and a brother. That is a community. There's a friend and a brother. There is community. Proverbs twenty two thirty nine 39 says love your neighbor. How do we love our neighbor if we're not living in community? How are we my brother's keeper if we're not living in community? Genesis 1, God created us in community and then gave us a mandate to live out his, his kingdom through that community. That's the picture of the bride. Church is not an institution. It's not a building. It's not a pastoral staff and a, a clergy and a laity. It is a community of people who have compassion for one another, who say, I'm going to carry each other's burdens in my life. See, disciples learn to live within the strength of community, and the strength of community is compassion. It's compassion. We want what community has without actually having community. 
It's what's going on in our post-pandemic world. We want the blessings of community and how God set up community without actually living in community. I'm not talking, this is not a plea for you to show up at church on Sunday. I hope you show up at church on Sunday. This is a plea to start looking at each other differently. Seeing each other differently. Walking into your, into your job, in your marketplace, and actually walking in and listening for a moment. What's the heartbeat God has for that person? How can I actually show compassion to them? Not how do I get them saved? Not how do I get them to church? Come on, that's heavy duty. Oh my gosh, how, do I, how am I going to get them to church? They ever come to church. They always talk about hating church. I don't really know what I'm going to do. If I, every time I get there, I don't know what I'm going to think about because every time I talk to them about church, they shut me down. They know that I go to church. They don't want to go to church. Oh my gosh! Anyone ever feel like that? Here's different. How can I have compassion for that person? Sometimes, my friends, we're the hungry ones. And sometimes we're the boy with the bread. And sometimes we're the one finding the boy with the bread. And sometimes we're the disciples distributing the bread. But compassion is the heartbeat of community. And when, heart, when compassion is the heartbeat of community, there's no place for shame. There's no way for super piety. There's no us and there's no them. There's only how can I can connect them to the heartbeat of Jesus. That's it. Isn't that so different than our regular family dynamics? Because our regular family dynamic, most of us came from being motivated by guilt. I didn't raise you that way. You're the oldest. You better I mean, don't you shame this family like that. I mean, come on. Uh, after, all, after all that I've done for you, anyone know anybody who has family? Like, I'm not saying your family. If it's your family, look straight at him just saying. That's not compassion. But here's the truth. The kingdom is counter to this world. The last shall be first. The servant is the greatest of all. The world creates need. It wor- the world works out of guilt and manipulation. The world looks out for number one. But the kingdom is found in Galatians 6.2 that says carry each other's burdens. And when you carry each other's burdens with compassion, you will fulfill the law of Jesus. You want to know what this thing's about? Here it is. You want to know what Sundays are really about? You want to know what your Monday purpose is? You want to know what your Tuesday freak out should be? How the heck do I carry compassion into the marketplace? That's what it's about. How do I carry each other? I wonder, on Sunday morning, do you think about how you could carry the burden of the person in front of you, next to you? Maybe the first person who walked in down that long boardwalk for the first time? Feeling uneasy just like you did the first time you walked in here? Or, or is that just the greeter's job? Or the pastor who's at the door? See, that's church culture. Kingdom culture says, man, how do I have, communi- how do I have compassion in this community? How do I help carry the need? How do I send a text to someone I know this week is going through some sickness or going through a situation? How do I just let them know I'm praying for them? And when I send the text with the little prayer hands, I'm actually folding my hands and praying. Compassion is the mission. We see this in the Old Testament. I love the book of Amos in the Old Testament. It's one of my favorites. 
Because God calls Israel to be a light into the world, which he calls you and I to be. But they translated that as being creating a culture, a better than culture than everybody else. God had called them to create a compassionate culture. They created a better than culture. So when you read Amos, the first four chapters, God is like demolishing these, all these other nations. And Israel's like, that's right, God, you go. That's right, they're messed up. That's right, God, that's what they do. And then chapter 5 comes. And God says, oh, no, I saved the best for last, boy. Let me tell you. I placed you in the midst of the community of nations to be a light of compassion. Look at what verse 22 says. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings, your grain offerings, I won't accept them. The peace offerings of your fattened animals, I'm not going to look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, the melody of your worship. I'm not listening to it. But rather let justice roll like the river and righteousness like a never-ending stream. God said, I'm not moved by your sacrifice. I'm not moved by the to-do list you think that I'm asking you to do. I'm moved by you and I having compassion for people. Do you know in Amos 2.7, it says they even panted after the dust on the head of the poor. The only thing poor people got is some dirt on their body. And he's like, you'll even take that. That's how messed up they were. But they were doing better than everybody else. No, they weren't. They missed the heartbeat of the mission. The heartbeat of the mission was compassion lived out and through community. You know, I was talking with Danielle the other day, and over my lifetime, I've had the opportunity to, live, uh, to lead over 60 mission trips around the world. I've been on every continent except Antarctica. And through those moments, I've had the opportunity to build orphanages and churches and homes for the displaced. We've fed people and did medical missions and all sorts of things. And you know what I realized about that the other day? I couldn't remember any of their names. Because I didn't build a relationship with the people. I went to places. I hope they felt loved but I wasn't actively loving them. Oh, don't get me wrong. I did what the kingdom was supposed to do. I'm talking about in me. You know what didn't keep me up at night? Their faces, and it should have. Not just the condition of their villages, not just the unrest in their nations, them, them. They should be on my prayer sheet. Their faces should keep me up at night. Why? Because God has a heartbeat for them. Not just their nation, not just their village, not just their need, not just the problem. It's not an either-or situation. But for me, after all of those things, I had to really just come back and say, to be honest, I love the travel. It was cool. I love what we did. But the heartbeat of compassion for people, I'm not sure. That's why I love what Paul says in Philippians 1.8. He says to the church of Philippi, man, as God is my witness, I long to be with you. With all the affection of Jesus, I long to be with you. I think the issue is, my friends, we have this Old Testament mentality when it comes to following God in our modern church. 
As we follow every dot, every tittle, we want to make sure that we don't miss anything. But we miss the why behind the what. And when we miss the why behind the what, the why is what reveals him. It's why the Bible says in Luke chapter 11, verse 42, Jesus says to all the Pharisees, you tithe on everything, on your mint, on your rue, on all the herbs that you have, the, the littlest thing, but you have forgotten compassion. You've forgotten justice. Justice is compassion. Grace is compassion. Mercy is compassion. Elevating community at your expense, it's compassion. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, look, you, you should have done both. It's not an either or. It's, well, I give to people so I don't tithe or I tithe so I don't have to give to people. No, 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 it's both. I think what's beautiful here is that if we aren't careful, we'll miss the place on which the commandments are given. Where are they birthed from? Compassion. And we become blinded to the revelation of the destruction around us in people's lives, that they are sheep without a shepherd. Did you notice, my friends, Jesus was not trying to fill their stomachs, but he was dealing with the reality of a community where compassion wasn't a priority and the enemy's territory was a reality. I'm going to say that again. What Jesus wasn't just trying to do was fill their bellies. He was dealing with a community where compassion wasn't a priority and where the enemy's territory was already a reality. This is why compassion must be the mission. Following the law didn't destroy the works of the enemy. Israel building a better than culture still placed people in bondage. The church in our country has been the dominant cultural force for 150 years and racism and division and anger and separation and segregation still reign supreme because we've missed the message. We've missed the mission. The mission is compassion. It was the power of love in every one of those communities that shattered the chains for people. In every moment where life is embattled by the enemy's schemes, it is love that wins. 1 Corinthians 3.8 uh, 3, says love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You can't vote out hatred. You can't vote in morality. Change doesn't start in the White House. Change starts in God's house. This place where we have to be compassionate with one another, we actually have to care. We have to care that someone's sick. We actually have to care that someone's in need. We have to care that someone will walk down that, uh, that, 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 that boardwalk uncertain. Care to see a smiling face at the door. There's this beautiful picture in this moment. We're almost done. There's a beautiful picture in here that I hope we don't miss. God, Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and uses it to reveal himself in the midst of community. Five is the number of grace. There are five animals that were sacred that were used for sacrifice. There were five wounds in Jesus as he bled for our sins. Five is the number of grace. Two is the number of agreement. Where two touch anything in agreement, it's going to be done by the Father. So it is when we, too, when we 
Two, when there's community. When community comes in agreement about grace, that what we're distributing is grace, when we actually agree on actually seeing people through the eyes of grace, when we actually care enough to give away grace, when we actually love people enough to be grace-filled and overflow with grace, when we come in agreement with grace, Jesus Christ is revealed. Did you notice it wasn't just five loaves? It wasn't just grace and not agreement. And it wasn't just two fish, agreement, but no grace. I agree, church should be that way. Uh, you carrying some grace with you or just agreement? Oh, I just think there's lots of ways of Jesus. Yeah, but he doesn't agree with that. So you got some fish, but you got some bread, but no fish. My friends, when we carry grace together, Jesus is revealed. Isn't that the story of the Good Samaritan? Luke chapter 10. Dude's beaten up by the side of the road. Priest walks by, does the right thing for himself, and leaves him. Levite walks by, person who's supposed to be in charge of praise. He sees him. Does the right thing by the cultural settings of the time and says, I'm not allowed to be around that kind of guy. Walks by on the other side. That kind of guy will make me unworthy, unclean. Then a Samaritan shows up. The Bible says, this is what the word says, that he saw the man and had compassion on him. I wonder why Jesus put that in there. Why didn't he just say he saw the man and bandaged his wounds? He saw the man and gave him some wine. He saw the man and took him to a doctor. All those things actually were in there, but it starts with compassion. Compassion is the mission because it's love lived out. I'm going to end with this story. But I love history, and I'm always encouraged by the story. In 258 A.D., not C.E., A.D., in the year of the Lord, The Emperor Valerian started an immense persecution against Christians. So much so that he came into a church service and beheaded the Bishop of Rome in the midst of the service. His soldiers then took the archdeacon who was there, his name was Lawrence at the time, and they said, we're going to give you three days to get all the treasure of the church and bring it to the emperor. You have three days to get the treasure of the church and bring it to the emperor. So Lawrence gets all the good things from the church, all that he can, all the vestments, all the things, and he sells them all. And he takes that money and he goes out and starts feeding people who are hungry. Starts taking people who can't afford to go to doctors to doctors. Starts taking care of the poor and those who are begging on the streets. And uh, on the third day, the soldiers come and they take Lawrence to stand in front of the emperor. And the emperor says, where are the treasures of the church? And as he says that, the room begins to fill with every beggar, every hunger, per, every hunger per, per, person who was fed, every person who couldn't afford to go to the doctor, to be a, who, who got paid for to come to the doctor, every person who was lost, who was found, started filling that room. And Lawrence stood in front of the emperor and said, Behold, 
Here are the treasures of the church. And because these are the treasures of the church, we are far richer, far richer than the emperor himself. Of course they killed him. But that truth has never been more true. That he could stand before the king of the earth and proclaim that truth because he knew the heartbeat of the king of heaven. Because the king of heaven said, it is my people that are sitting next to you and behind you and around you. Those who will follow me and who will never will. Those who can afford bread and those who can't. Those who, those who will bring their gift and those who won't. I love them all. They're my treasure. And church, that's what will make us far richer than anything we could ever desire on this earth is when we as the church start seeing each other as the treasure of God. Not simply treasured by God, but we are treasures of God. The power of compassion is compounded in community. Romans 8 9 says this, all of creation is eagerly awaiting the sons of God to reveal themselves. Your neighbor is waiting, not for you to preach to them, tell them your political view, try to get them attached to your party. Your neighbor is waiting for the heartbeat of the king to be revealed by the heart, by, by, through the heartbeat of his children. How different could church look? I'm not talking about smoke and lights and props. I'm talking about people. Your friend gonna come to church if we have cool conference? Yeah, probably. Are they going to stay connected if it's just about a conference? Nope. I'm not asking you to make church seem cooler for people on the outside. I'm asking us to actually compound compassion by being the community that we're called to be in this place and take it from here to out there. Next Sunday, how can you be compassionate for the person who's here and not here yet? Tomorrow, when you go into work, how can you be compassionate to that coworker? Maybe you don't even know who's going through something, but the Spirit does. Maybe your spouse doesn't come to church. What's well, probably a better tool? Making them feel guilty, ashamed, manipulated. Or love them until they do. And love them even if they don't. Because there were people in that crowd who never followed Jesus. And he looked at them and said, I love you anyway. Oh, how different church would be in our country. Church could be at Connect we understood our mission was compassion and stayed on it and stayed on it let's pray
The only reason we can love is because he first loved us. And maybe today you can you find yourself in place where you're in need of spiritual food. You're hungry, you're starving. To be honest, you feel empty. You've done the church thing before, maybe you've maybe even come from a church background, a church family. But to be honest, man, your heart's been empty for a long time. You've been giving away bread, but not from the place of love. Today's the day where compassion is compounded in this community because you can hear and accept the love of Jesus Christ for your life. Today's the day that maybe it's time for you just to surrender. Today's the day maybe where you just come and say, God, here I am, all of me. I'm not holding anything back. You love me so much. And I want to love you back. And I know I've let lots of other things get in the way. So today, I'm here just to say, Jesus, 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 I need you. I love you. I want to love you more even than I, ha- than I am. God, please come into my life. The Bible says if I confess him as Lord with my mouth today and believe that he died on the cross and rose again and that was enough, today I'll be saved. Today he'll fill me with his spirit. Today he'll forgive me of his sin- my sins. Today he'll pour his love into my life. Today he will enter my heart and he will come in and dine with me and I will dine with him now and forever today I can not only be a receiver of grace but I can become a conduit of grace to my world today is my day so we're going to pray all of us together but if you're here today and you can find yourself on that spectrum and just say man I just want to be all in with God maybe this is your first time the good news is it's not about how good you are it's about how good he is and his goodness is eternal so all you've got to do is accept the gift this morning maybe you've accepted that gift before but you are far away from God today's the day to step back in to the full compassion he has for you today's the day so we're going to pray And we'll all pray. But if that's you today, can you just pray from the bottom of your heart? Meet him, because he's here. And he's here to change you from the inside out. So just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you my life. All that I am. All that I have. All that I ever will be. I give to you now. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. I'm choosing today to live full on for you. Fill me with compassion. Let me hear your heart beat for others. I choose to live for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we give God some shout of praise this morning? Hallelujah, Lord God, for lives that are being changed in this room, out of this room, Lord God. Those who are going to come in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Ah. Woo. Well, thank you for coming this morning and being a part. If you prayed that prayer, whether you're in this room or you are online, can we encourage you? Look, we have some books that we want to give you. They're free. This is for adults, this is for kind of Gen Zers and tweeners, teenagers, but it's just about how to live out the decision that you made today, help you to 
walk this thing out. If you want this, you can come over here, Pastor Rick's right over here talking to, to Mark over there, which is Mark and Rick, I guess. That's them over there. Just take a moment before you leave. Just go over and let them pray with you. If you're online, follow the prompt. You get books, we'll send them to you. Church, we're going to take offering in just a second and then go, but thank you for letting me share that message this morning. I promise you I've preached that message from a different place 500 times. I've preached about how to be an Andrew and connect people with their gifts to the need. I've preached about how we, if we love people, will feed people. I've preached about actually making sure that you see those who are in need around you. And all those things are true. But if we don't start with the heartbeat, we don't understand that's the mission. We'll be overwhelmed by the logistics before lunch. How different would life in church be if every day we started on mission and we stayed on mission and that mission was compassion? Pastor Rick's going to come just encourage us in our giving can you guys give Pastor Rick a hand? He's fantastic. I love this dude. Thank you, Pastor Kyle. Love you. What a wonderful message. For a checklist person like myself, going deep like that about the why and the how, it really, really blessed me. And it, I know it gave us all a, a, a pause to think about the essence of what was just preached, which was remarkable. Um, I'm here to encourage you in your giving. And we do this a lot of different ways here. Which is really cool. We have envelopes around the room with pens that you can deposit in our kiosk at the door, or you can open up your camera app in your phone and just point it at that QR code. And we also have the ability of being able to give online as well on an automatic basis. I was planning to say this despite the message today, and yesterday. Hmm. Due to your generosity, this community um, not only enabled 18 people, uh, 16 people, sweet 16, to come to know Jesus as the yeah. Lord and Savior awesome. at our TKC outreach. Yep. And we were able yeah. to have the, the 18 because we had uh, Gareth with me on the community engagement team and prior week with Mark. And when we have that capability of extra servers, uh, more people get saved. But what I wanted to share is this weekend at Forge, Pastor Kyle talked about how God, God's invisible attributes aren't really known to the world, but through us. It's, we are to make known his invisible attributes. And I started thinking a lot about that today. His to the world, they can't see God. And I know this, and we know him because we have a personal relationship with him, but the world doesn't know that. So what they need to see, and what we're talking about in Forged, is we need to see his love. They need to see his light, his compassion, his wisdom. And that's what happened yesterday at TKC. And I wasn't going to share it like this, but... I approached a woman 
before we open, we have a chance to minister. And this woman was so despondent and distraught. I've rarely ever seen anybody that sad. And she was distraught because she was married 25 years. Her husband was on drugs. And she was sleeping on a cot downstairs, and he was sleeping up in a bed. And she said, I don't think he loves me anymore, and I cry myself to sleep every single night. You know, there were 50 cars behind me, and through the grace of God, I, I just stopped. She needed to be seen, and we ministered to her. You may not have been in that parking lot yesterday with us, but your generosity enabled this community to share that love and compassion and show that woman something that she needed desperately. And she came to the Lord. We led her to the Lord right there. And she has a foundation. We also encouraged her to give her husband one of our gospel books. And she didn't leave there like she came. And another man that I ministered to who had some physical hearing and verbal challenges, he got out of the car and he said, I'm really really nothing. I am, have no direction, I have no significance, and we spent time with him as well. And let me tell you, I'm so grateful that 16 people came to know Jesus yesterday, but those moments, those moments to minister the love and the compassion and be seen is the, really the totality of what we're as a community artist and I want to just I wanted to just take some extra time so let's pray father we just thank you for this day we thank you for the generosity of our body to make a difference in people's lives here on earth and also in heaven for eternity and it's in Jesus name we pray amen 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 thank you sir yeah, I love it. 60 people. For some of you who may not know uh, what Pastor Rick was talking about, we have a, a ministry called Thy Kingdom Crumb. It's um, a food truck ministry that we both do curbsides where we give away family meals, full family meals. Also, we take the truck out into communities uh, and give away food, free food as well. It's just fun. It's great. Um, but again, for us, food is the means. Jesus is the end. It's, uh, food gets people, I say it all the time, food is people glue, right? So uh, food, food gets people around, and what we give them is actually Jesus. So thank you for helping us make a difference. Thank you for uh, supporting TKC, for giving into the house, for continuing to make a difference in every way. Well, Kim, come on, why don't you guys stand? Let me pray over you really quickly before we go. The emperor said, where are the treasures of the church? And Lawrence looked and said, here they are. Here they are. May we see one another that way. May we see those who are here and those who will never be here in the same way. Treasured. Father, I thank you. Daddy, you're the king. We love you for who you are. I pray today that you may let your face shine on each and every person here. Help us. Open our eyes to be compassionate, Lord God, to see you moving. Open our ears to hear the heartbeat that you have for people in our marketplace, in our family, in our world, in this house. 
that he moved through the Holy Spirit to do things that only you can do to bring healing and deliverance and power. Miracles and signs and wonders, Lord God, as we step out and we give you the five loaves and two fish in our hands, we trust that you're going to multiply them. We trust you're going to bring the miraculous power that we can't, Lord God, that your compassion will be compounded as we continue to move as only you can. So I pray you stir the hearts of men and women in this room, stir the hearts of people in Connect, stir the hearts of your bride, Lord God. Let us rise. Arise, 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 O sleeper. Arise, arise, O sleeper. Lord God, I pray that as we walk out of this place, we may not walk out of a building, but we may walk into a mission, which is every day learning more of the heartbeat of your son towards the people of your world. We love you and we praise you And we give you the glory now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, church. I love you. I'll see you this week. Hop into Forge. Hop into shoulder to shoulder. It's fantastic. I'll see you next week.